Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a, like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to put a little action on the games, this is the place for you. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie. I'm excited to be back for another episode as we dive into week three of the college football season. You can find me on social media, Twitter or X, Instagram and TikTok, all at Gorg on sports. I'd love to hear from you there because I want you to be a part of the show. I want to hear what you're thinking. I want to hear what you want to hear about. I want to hear what I got right. And I want to hear what I got wrong. So hit me up there, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Gorg on sports. So week three in college football is a bit of a slower week compared to the monster week we had last week. There's no Alabama, Texas on the schedule, unfortunately, but it's still college football. It's still college football games being played. And I'm never going to complain about that because we only get so many of these. There's not that many weeks where we get to do this, where we get to sit on the couch and watch all of these games from noon until night. But having said all that, if you need to build up some equity, or if you just need to take care of some errands, this is the week to do it because week four, you will want to be wherever you are to watch games for the entire day. Because conference play starts in earnest in week four, and there are going to be some big ones. The marquee game of the week. I don't even know if I can say there's one marquee game of the week, but Ohio State Notre Dame, a top 10 matchup in Notre Dame Stadium at night on NBC. That has to be in contention. You have Florida State and Clemson in the noontime slot. Yes, Clemson loses week one to Duke, maybe loses a little bit of its luster but that is still a tough place to play, and it's that's going to be a game. Florida State is going to have to bring their A game to win that game. You're going to have Deion Sanders, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, and Colorado going to Outson Stadium to take on Oregon. There are big, big games in Week 4. So, look, I never advocate for missing college football. There's always something fun happening. There's always something cool. There's always something you've never seen before. But if you have to take care of some errands, if you have to build up some equity so you can be there in week four and not miss a minute, I would say this is the week to do it. But having said all that, there are still some matchups that I'm pretty interested in. And I want to talk a little bit about how I'm going to use this week. There are teams that I haven't gotten a chance to see a ton of yet this college football season. Georgia Bulldogs, for example, they've played absolutely nobody to start the season. And this week they start SEC play with South Carolina, 27 and a half point favorite at home for Georgia. South Carolina has not looked 
very good so far this year. But this will be a chance for me to really watch Georgia and figure out, okay, what can I, what can I glean from that game? What do we have here? Is this a team on the path to another national championship or have they taken some sort of step down? This is just a team I haven't had a chance to watch a whole lot of yet because they haven't had a game really worth watching. And I don't necessarily expect this one to be close, but it's still an SEC opponent. A game between two Power 5 teams I'm pretty interested in watching. Kansas State and Missouri. Kansas State goes on the road to Missouri. Missouri, first home sellout in quite a while. Tell me regionality doesn't matter in college football. I would say, look, Missouri's in the SEC and they're not selling out home games. Kansas State comes to town. Kansas State isn't even in the Kansas school that they hate. And they're selling that game out. First home sellout since 2019 for Missouri. But I don't know a ton about these teams either. In the Big 12, we're searching for who is that second team. Texas is the clear favorite right now. They proved it last week at Alabama. They deserve to be the favorite. But somebody's got to play in that Big 12 championship game, a game against them. Can it be Kansas State? People were pretty high on Kansas State coming into the season. They haven't done anything to disappoint so far. They beat Southeast Missouri 45-0. They beat Troy 42-13. to But they still don't have Deuce Vaughn. They lose Deuce Vaughn off last year's team. How are they replacing him? I want to watch them. I haven't seen them at all yet. This will be a good chance to watch them, even if they don't necessarily bet that game. I want to watch them. I want to learn about this team. I want to see, okay, is there a future possibility here for them? How am I going to approach this team through the rest of the college football season? And it's not that one game is going to shape my opinion of a given team. You got to take stats into account. You got to take some of the advanced numbers into account. You got to take your preseason perception into account. But what is so important as you go through a college football season is understanding where your preseason opinions were wrong and then changing them and adapting. It's just like a college football team who's going through a year and they have to improve and they have to get better and they have to adapt to whatever hand they're dealt. You've got to do the same. I got to do the same as somebody who's handicapping games every week, who's betting games every week. I got to figure out, okay, I thought coming into the season, Kansas State would still be pretty good, but I thought they'd take a step back because they don't have that explosive big play guy in Deuce Vaughn. But where are they actually? And I value a game against Missouri much more than I value a game against the SEMO. Troy has pretty good defense. They've, they've, they're a Sunbelt contender, but I still value a game on the road at Missouri. I think that's going to be much more indicative as to what we can expect from the Wildcats in Big 12 play than either of those first two games. And the same thing with Missouri. Really, Missouri is going to be a team as we go throughout the year that they're going to be playing LSU. They're going to be playing Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas. Teams we're interested in, and I know Arkansas and Florida are maybe not quite like LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee, but still, they're going to be playing in big SEC games. We got to try to start to figure out can Eli Drinkwitz's squad, can they pull an upset? Are they going to be a feisty home dog? Are they a team that's going to roll over? So there's some things I'm watching this week. I want to see these teams. I want to get eyes on these teams because it's so important as you're going through the season for your opinions to change and adapt based on that whole picture. Not just what you thought before the season, but based on what you see with your eyes, based on what the stats are telling you. It, it paints this whole big picture and that's how you win games. That's how you win bets. So that's what I'm looking forward to in week three, even though it's maybe not the greatest slate, especially not compared to week two and certainly not compared to week four. But that's how I'm going to approach this week. Now, I want to get into some injuries and news because as we progress through the season, personnel becomes so much more important. Uh, teams are losing guys to injury. Teams are benching quarterbacks, new quarterbacks are coming in, whatever the case may be. Guys are winning jobs, guys are losing jobs, and it's important to keep track of. So I want to, before we start spraying the board, before I get into what I'm watching, what I'm betting, I want to talk a little bit about some of the injuries and news that are out there and just kind of run down this list of 
things that I saw that I'm keeping a tra- keeping track of that I think are important. So for UCF, their quarterback, John Rice Plumley, he's going to be out a few weeks following that Boise State game. He is a huge part of what makes that offense run. Huge threat in the running game. UCF is going to get into Big 12 play here, not this week, but next week. They have Villanova at home this week, but then they're going to get into Big 12 play with Kansas State on the road, Baylor at home, and at Kansas. So we got to see when Plumlee's coming back, but I think that drastically changes UCF's potential and what they can do this season. They went on the road. They got that big win at Boise, but losing Plumlee for what they're saying is a few weeks, I think is going to hurt them a lot, especially if he's out for those three first three big 12 games. And then they have a buy after that before they go to Norman and face Oklahoma. So we got to keep an eye on that one. John Rice Plumlee out for a few weeks will not need surgery. Ryan Day and Ohio State named Kyle McCord the starter for week three against Western Kentucky. Ohio State's got to get this quarterback situation figured out before the Notre Dame game. Kyle McCord has started every game, so it doesn't even seem like it's a question at this point. However, Ryan Day felt the need to come out and say he was starting for the Buckeyes against Western Kentucky this week. So I think it's notable that maybe they still don't feel like they have it quite figured out. We'll get much more into that Notre Dame-Ohio State game next week, but this isn't the way that I thought I would be feeling about the Buckeyes through two weeks of the season. This hasn't looked like the all-star offense that we've become accustomed to in the Ryan Day era there. And Western Kentucky is a team that likes to get up and down the field. I want to see a good offensive performance from the Buckeyes this week. Kyle McCord will be the starting quarterback. For Boise State, Taylor Green took QB1 reps on Tuesday. He had cramps versus UCF. He should be good to go. So I think not a great start for him to the season necessarily. I... Boise is a team I still think, despite being 0-2, can go and win the Mountain West. I think they have a very good defense. The offense is what worries me. Taylor Green, I expected to be one of the best running quarterbacks in the country so f- this season. And so far, they haven't used him quite as much in the running game as I expected him to as I expected them to. And in the passing game, he he hasn't been great. Under 50% completion percentage, two touchdowns, three picks, but it does seem like he is healthy and will be their guy going forward. So got to see they have North Dakota, not North Dakota state, but North Dakota this week. And then they get into mountain West play the following week against San Diego state. So Boise is a team I'm taking and keeping an eye on. I think they're only like plus they, they have the same odds as Fresno right now to win the mountain West plus three twenty. I was kind of looking for them on a buy low spot after that Washington game and at that Boise state game. Cause I think that defense might still just be the, the thing that can put them over the edge in the mountain West. But I thought I'd get a, a little bit better of a price on them. So I haven't taken them yet. A couple things I'm looking at in the, in the mountain West, but I'm not quite ready to pounce on quite yet. I just think, uh, I think that Boise defense is pretty good and I don't hold that Washington game against them and uh, that they, they played well against UCF defensively. So Taylor Green, he will be QB1 for Boise. Season ending injury here. UConn quarterback Joseph Fanano out for the season. That's a big one. They I, That was a team that I thought could beat Georgia State Last week, their quarterback goes out, they get mauled, and I I think that's going to really hurt UConn for the rest of the year. At Indiana, Taven Jackson, brother of Trace Jackson Davis, has been named the starting quarterback. They've been kind of going back and forth for um, a few weeks there on who would be the starter. 
at Syracuse, big injury, not at the quarterback spot, but at the tight end wide receiver spot, Aronde Gadsden. He is, uh, was in a walking boot and on crutches on the sidelines in the second half of Syracuse's game last week. There's been no update on him yet this week. Doesn't seem likely that he's going to be playing and he's their biggest threat. He is their biggest offensive threat. So something to look out for as they take on Purdue again, no update, but based on the fact that he was in a walking boot and crutches, uh, there's been no update. It makes me think he's not going to be playing another quarterback injury here. Um, Tulane quarterback, Michael Pratt, who missed last week's game against Ole Miss. Tulane put up a great fight against them, but couldn't quite get it done without Pratt. Tulane head coach Willie Fritz uh, said, quote, we're hoping he'll be able to play this weekend. It's Tuesday, so we'll see later this week. He's doing more and more, looking better and better. So keep an eye out there. I am just waiting for him to come back. I think Tulane, Tulane to me, clear favorite in the AAC right now. They have Southern Miss on the road this week. Tough matchup. Southern Miss, I think, is a about a 13-point dog, something along those lines, 13, 12 and a half. So something to keep an eye on there if you're interested in betting that two-lane Southern Miss game. Another quarterback injury here, Tony Musket at UVA is a full go at practice as of Tuesday, but they're considering him day-to-day. Anthony Calandria, true freshman, came in and played against JMU. He actually looked pretty good for UVA. Some quotes I read from Mike Loxley, Maryland's head coach this week, said they're kind of preparing for both guys. It could be better for UVA if Calandria actually plays, but it sounds like Muskets not really going to lose his job due to injury. So he's considered day to day. Maryland seems like they're preparing for both guys. And then I'll end this off with a, a wide receiver injury and a running back injury. Virginia Tech wide receiver Ali Jennings out versus Rutgers got hurt last week against Purdue. And then Arkansas running back Rocket Sanders will be out versus BYU. So that's just a, a sampling of the injuries around the country. There are some, those are some of the ones that I think are are super impactful and and big to know, but something really important to keep an eye on as we go throughout the season. All right, you know what time it is. What I'm watching, what I'm betting, it's time to spray the board. Let's go. We got a week of college football upon us. Week three in the 2023 season. Last week, I was six and eight against the spread. 0-1 on my Moneyline Parlay. That includes the picks that I gave out on this show, the picks that I added on Twitter, and what I added live. Everything I'm adding later in the week, everything I'm adding live, I am posting it on Twitter or X. I am also putting it in the tailgate till May gambling dashboard. That's a Google sheet that you can follow along. You can track along right with me. I'm also post, I post that on X and, uh, if you don't, you can't find it, tweet at me at Gorgon Sports. So make sure you're following me there at Gorgon Sports so you can get all of my up to the minute gambling thoughts because I, I do like playing some live bets. I do like the live action. One of the good ones I did live last week was I got Washington, I think minus 27 and a half. I think it was minus 27 and a half. Let's see. It's right here in my. Should be right here in my in my sheet. Uh, I got Washington. Yes, minus 27 and a half against Tulsa. That ended up being a cover. You can get some good value if you're feeling out how the game's going. Maybe a team is dominating, but they throw an untimely interception, right? And that shifts it. And you're like, okay, I still think this is the better team. The odds are better now. Let's go. There's some live opportunities out there. So make sure you're following along with me at Gorgon Sports on X, formerly known as Twitter. For the season, I am 13-17 and 17 against the spread. 0-2 on my Moneyline parlay of the week. Let's get back on the right side of the ledger this week, and let's start with our Thursday night games. So Thursday night, 
a game I am interested in watching. Memphis is a team that I bet to win the AAC before the year at eight to one odds. They host Navy in a conference matchup. Memphis has been inching its way towards a top 25 offense. They're now number 27 in Bill Connolly's SP plus ratings from an offensive perspective. They beat Bethune Cookman 56 to three. They beat Arkansas state 37 to three. And maybe more important than that, their D is inching up too. They started as the number 83 defense in SP plus to start the year. They're now up to number 54. They're top 25 in stuff rate and their top 25 or their top 5 in havoc rate those two numbers are are of course excluding garbage time whenever i mention these advanced numbers it's always excluding garbage time because i just don't think that garbage time matters in when you're looking at these these kind of stats and just so for for clarity when i say garbage time that means the scoring margin is over 38 points in the second quarter, it's over 28 points in the third quarter, or it's over 22 points in the fourth quarter. That is how college ball data defines it, and that is where I get my data from on some of these advanced metrics. So I think that's a pretty broad interpretation of garbage time, but just something I always want to call out because sometimes people will go and they'll look at, at some stats and be like, well, that doesn't match what you were saying. It's because I always exclude garbage time. I only care about the numbers when the game is still in question. Either way, Memphis has looked good in two games this year. They've been inching their way up both the offensive and defensive ratings. If their defense can really take a step up, if it has taken a step up, they can really be a contender in the AAC. And this will be a, a different kind of test for them with Navy coming in. Navy, of course, runs that unique offense. They threw it a little bit more against Wagner. Uh, the line here is Memphis minus 14 and a half. The last two years, Memphis has won 37 to 13 and 35 to 17. I don't like laying over two touchdowns against the service Academy on a short week. If I was going to bet anything here, it would be Memphis over 30 and a half points on the team total Memphis's offense behind Hannigan has gotten off to a, a really good start this season. And uh, that that's the way I would play it if I was, if I was going to play it at all. But I think this is a, a stay away for me with, uh, with a service Academy on a short week. Fun one to watch, though, and a fun one, again, to evaluate. Where is Memphis? Can Memphis really be a contender in the AAC? Memphis is going to have some big games coming up later in the year, and we want to have eyes on them, understand how to bet them. Next game, Friday night, Virginia at Maryland, regional rivalry. I'm going to be there. I'm pumped for it. This will be my first live college football game of the season in person. Can't wait for this one. And I already gave this one out on the Sunday show. I got Maryland minus 13 and a half. It's now up, depending where you look, it's now up to yeah, 14 and a half everywhere. You can't even get a 14 out there. So this is why, listen to that Sunday show. You can get that closing line value. So I got 13 and a half. 13 and a half. If you can grab a 14, I would play it. You know what though? I would still play this at anything 16 and a half or better because I think Maryland absolutely rolls in this one. Maryland is better at every skill position than Virginia. Maryland is better at quarterback, receiver, running back. This Virginia defense has been absolutely terrible this season. They haven't gotten to the quarterback at all. And I think in order to throw Maryland off, in order to throw Talia Tungavailoa and that offense off, you have to be able to get to the quarterback. Virginia is in the bottom 10% in the country in defensive havoc rate. Bottom 10% in the country. They're also in the bottom 10% in the country in front seven havoc rate. They are the fifth worst team in the country when it comes to generating havoc with the front seven. And the way that's defined is tackles for losses, uh, set, tackles for losses, sacks, and forced fumbles 
go into that that metric when it comes to front seven havoc rate there. So Virginia is not good at getting to the quarterback. They're not good at putting pressure on their quarterback. They're not good at making life difficult for the quarterback. And when Talia has time, when you don't heat him up, he's as good as anybody in the country. Maryland's running game looked really good last week against Charlotte. And I like Maryland's offense to just roll, roll, roll in this one. I think Maryland is the far better team. I think Maryland has proven now over the course of the past several years with Tylea Tungavailoa and Mike Loxley that this program is at a point where they take care of business against lesser competition. And I think Virginia is clearly lesser competition. Terps roll. Terps get to 3-0 and heading into Big Ten play. Now let's get in to... Saturday, starting with the noon slate. A couple big games at noon I'm really want to watch. Penn State at Illinois, LSU at Mississippi State, and Kansas State at Missouri. Starting with that Penn State-Illinois game, this is another one where I'm trying to just see what these two teams are all about. Penn State, yes, started the season with West Virginia, but they've basically been untested And I mean, credit to them for being able to say they were untested against West Virginia, a power five team. They've looked really good so far. They look like a big 10 contender. I kind of put them in Michigan on the same tier right now where it's like they've been untested and that's a good thing. You haven't had to worry about them at all. And that's a good thing. If you're a Penn State fan, if you're a Michigan fan, they both, to me, look better so far than Ohio State does. But you got to go on the road to a place that can be tough to play, that has been tough to play for Penn State in the past. In Illinois themselves, they're coming off uh, an absolute shellacking at the hands of the Kansas Jayhawks. Illinois fighting Illini. They're the one leg of my last week's Moneyline Parlay of the Week that lost. They ruined it for me. Jalen Daniels ruined it for me. I shouldn't have gone against Jalen Daniels. That offense, that Kansas offense is just too explosive. And I thought that, really, I thought Illinois' offense would be able to score on Kansas's defense a little bit more. And I expected enough out of that Illinois defense to not quite get torched the way they did by Jalen Daniels and Kansas. They put up 539 yards. If Penn State is serious about going out and competing for a national title, they'll go and do the same thing to Illinois that Kansas did last week. They will go and put up 500 yards on them and make sure the game is never in doubt. But this is Drew Aller's first time going on the road. This is Drew Aller's first Big Ten game, at least the first Big Ten game that he's he started. Things are different in conference play. These teams know each other so well, especially in the Big Ten where it feels like you've had these coaching staffs that have been there forever. Things tighten up. And this is going to be an interesting one to watch. Illinois, 14.5-point dog. Don't like this one either way. I'm scared a little bit about Illinois after that shellacking against Kansas last week. Penn State, I I think they want to be national title contenders. They go out, they win this game, they cover the spread, they make sure it's not even close. And I think that's what I'll be watching for in this one. No play on this game. Same thing with LSU and Mississippi State. Now, I'm not going to have a play here either. Or Kansas State, Missouri. LSU, this is the first time we're going to get a chance to see them since Florida State threw all over them in week one. They made them look silly in week week one. And now Keon Coleman is making a lot of folks look silly because he's hurtling people. He was hurtling a Southern Miss defender last week. He is really, really good. Florida State looks really, really good. But LSU now has to turn around. They have to go on the road to Starkville, 
a place that is hard to play. It has been hard to play for them. And they got to take on Mississippi State. And if this was the Mississippi State air raid offense, I would think a lot harder about taking Mississippi State here because we saw the weakness in that LSU secondary. But this is not the Mississippi State air raid offense. This is a team that ran for 145 yards on 39 carries last week in an overtime win against Arizona. They only threw the ball 17 times. It was an efficient 17 times. Will Rogers, 13 to 17, three touchdowns in the win. But they benefited from five Arizona turnovers. I, again, if this was the air raid Mississippi State offense, I think I'd go ahead and I'd play that plus 10 and a half. But right now, I, I didn't like Mississippi State coming into the season, and I'm not ready. I thought I just thought it was too much transition. I'm not ready to to back them in this spot. I'm also not ready to lay 10, nine and a half, whatever it is with LSU. They just look too leaky in the secondary. They don't look like an elite team right now. So again, going to watch it. going to be interested in it. I'm staying away from this one. And then we, we've covered K-State Missouri a little bit. I want to see what that Kansas State offense looks like. I want to see what they do without Deuce Vaughn. I want to see how explosive they can be without Deuce Vaughn. I think these are two teams that are going to keep it on the ground a lot this week. If I had to lean anyway, it would be the under in this game. I think the under is at 49, 48 and a half here. If I had to go anyway, that's the direction I would go. But I'm going to stay away from these games. The noon slate, I guess noon for me, it might be some live betting opportunities here. There might be some live betting opportunities. This will be an instance where I just got to see how things play out. And then maybe I pounce on something. If there was a live betting opportunity, that I would be looking at in this one. It would be Florida state at Boston college, Florida state's 26 point favorite right now. I Boston college to me is probably not probably I, I they are the, well, okay. Them and Northwestern are the two worst power five conference teams off the top of my head. You got to maybe think about uh, Stanford rather in there, but Boston college, bottom line, Boston college is not good. And they should have lost to FCS. Holy cross last week. They did lose to Northern Illinois two weeks ago. And the only reason I'm not laying these points with Florida state minus 26 on the road at Boston college is because they have that matchup looming with Clemson next week in, in death Valley. And I just think that you worry about, do they pull their guys? Do they try to get some, get their guys out, avoid injury in the second half. But if for some reason, Florida state starts slow in this game, if that line ends up dropping under three touchdowns, you get a 20 and a half, you even get a 17. I think I'd have to be all over that one because Boston college is in contention for the worst power five team in the country. So maybe that's a live betting opportunity. I keep my eyes on in that noontime slot. Let's move on to three 30 and let's get to some bets. Cause I got a lot here in the three 30 slot game. I gave out on Sunday, Minnesota travels to Chapel Hill. They're taking on the Tar Heels. I bet Carolina minus six and a half. When that came out, that's now around seven, seven and a half. If you can get a seven, I'd still take Carolina minus seven. I just don't think Minnesota is gonna be able to keep up with North Carolina when it comes to scoring Minnesota is not a high powered attack. 
if you watch that Nebraska-Minnesota game on opening night, you saw Ethan Kaliak-Manis go 24 for 44, 196 yards, 4.5 yards per attempt. Not very good. The Minnesota running game in that game too, they were held to 2.2 yards per carry. Now they bounced back a little bit last week against Eastern Michigan, at least in in terms of the running game, put up nearly 300 yards rushing, but this is just not an explosive offense. They scored 25 points in that game against Eastern Michigan. I still don't really trust Kelly McManus. I don't think they can keep up with North Carolina on the scoreboard. North Carolina, yeah, they went to double overtime with App State last week, but they were moving the ball. They they were running the ball. Something North Carolina has not had is a running game. And North Carolina showed that they can run the football in that game against App State last weekend. Amarion Hampton, 218 yards on 22 carries, 9.9 yards per play. What an effort by Amarion Hampton. I think he's going to be their workhorse guy going forward. Drake May continues to just be solid. I, I think this North Carolina offense is really good. We saw what their defense did in week one against South Carolina, which no doubt was in part because of South Carolina, but I think it's improved. I just think North Carolina scores and Minnesota can't, can't keep up with them. Give me the heels minus six and a half play it up to seven here. Next game I'm betting is another big 10 ACC matchup. It's Virginia tech at Rutgers and I'm going under 40 last week. I was big on Virginia Tech. Oh, one more note on uh, Minnesota. I forgot to forgot to mention here with Minnesota that Brevin Spanford, their tight end, looks like he's going to be a game time decision. Um, PJ Fleck said earlier this week that Sp- uh, Spanford, uh, along with Maverick Baronkowski, a linebacker, he said, "quote They seemed okay yesterday." I haven't got my report today from the medical team, but the medical team doctors always make those decisions on those guys. So Brevin Spanford, he's a guy that's banged up and he's one of their threats, their go-to guys on that offense. If he is not able to play or he's not at full strength, I really, really like North Carolina. I already do anyway, even if he does play, but that's just another bonus in the North Carolina box, another box to check. Anyway, Back to Virginia Tech at Rutgers. Under 40 is the bet there on Virginia Tech traveling to Piscataway to take on the Scarlet Knights. Under 40 points. I was high last week that Virginia's Tech's offense had changed. I thought they took a major step forward. And the reason for that was in large part because of their transfer receiver, Ollie Jennings. Another transfer receiver, Jalen Lane. Well, Ali Jennings got hurt in that game against Purdue. He's out. Jalen Lane and Grant Wells, their quarterback, are both questionable this week against Rutgers. Rutgers is really a pretty good defense. They are top 40 in limiting explosiveness. They're top 20 on a down-to-down basis in, in defensive success rate. And they're top 25 in limiting points per opportunity. So even when teams do cross the 40-yard line, they kind of lock down. Additionally, only the service academies and Liberty have ran the ball a higher percentage of the time in non-garbage time situations than Rutgers. So Rutgers has a good defense, and they want to keep the ball on the ground. Virginia Tech, they're without their biggest weapon in Ali Jennings on the uh, uh, receiver. They may not have Jalen Lane, and then they may not have Grant Wells either. They couldn't really run the ball against Purdue. They were less than one yard per carry. It goes up to 2.3 yards per carry if you take out the sacks. And Purdue was a team that didn't really stop the run all that effectively last year. They gave up six yards per carry to Wisconsin, 
last season and they gave up 200 yards to Caleb Johnson of Iowa in back-to-back weeks last year. So this isn't a monster defense defensive line that just doesn't give up anything on the ground. Virginia Tech struggled to run the ball last week. They don't have their biggest threat at receiver. If Kyron Drones plays instead of Grant Wells at quarterback, that gives him a little bit more of a threat in the running game, but I'm not sure how much they trust him in the passing game because what you've seen from Kyron drones when he's played this year is that they're running the ball. They're not letting him throw the ball a ton. So I'm not sure to me that indicates that they would keep it on the ground even more. If you look at the stats this year for Kyron drones, he has eight passing attempts. He's three of eight and he has four rushes for 15 yards. So, you know, they've said all year that they're going to play both of these quarterbacks. They like Kyron Jones. They want to get him in there. But it's kind of if you're a Maryland fan and you remember maybe 10 years ago or so, Josh Portis was a, a backup quarterback at Maryland and they had the Portis package. But everybody knew every time Josh Portis came in, it was going to be a run. So if Wells can't go, it is drones. I think that means they're going to keep the ball on the ground even more. You factor all of that together, the success of the Rutgers defense, the way Rutgers likes to play, Virginia Tech being without its top threat at wide receiver, give me the under 40 in this game. Another just lovely game we have here, Western Michigan at Iowa. Look, Iowa is a 28 and a half point favorite in this game. I do not trust Iowa to score that many points. I just don't. It's not in their DNA. I know a lot of folks are big on Iowa minus 28, minus 28 and a half this week because Brian Ferentz needs to score a bunch of points to get over that 25 point per game threshold that he he needs to reach per his contract. But I just don't think it's in Iowa's DNA. There's been nothing that I've seen so far this season to indicate that this Iowa offense is any different than it's been in years past. So look, if it's a, I I win this game at 31 to three, a 31 to three Iowa win is a win for me at 28 and a half. If Iowa goes out and they win this game, 35, nothing, then great. That's fine. I'll take my loss, but they got to prove it. I want to make them do it. I do not believe that this Iowa offense is truly any different than it has been in years past. And this defense is really good, especially in the back end. But I think it's maybe just a smidge worse than it was last year. It's maybe not the all-time elite defense that it was last year. It's maybe not the the number one defense in the country or anything like that. You know, Bill Connolly still does have them at number one in his SP Plus defensive rankings. Georgia just behind them. But I feel like they they might be just a little bit worse than last year. At the end of the day, I just don't trust Iowa to score that many points. Give me Western Michigan plus 28 and a half. Next game I'm going to is Oklahoma at Tulsa. And I'm going with the Sooners minus 27 and a half. Yeah, I know that's a big number. Yeah, I don't love it. I don't love laying numbers like that personally, but this is just a... Tulsa is a team I was down on before the season. We talked about the the coaching change, the transition with Kevin Wilson coming in. We talked about their bad returning production numbers. And early in this season, they haven't looked good, especially defensively. They were absolutely lit up by the Washington offense. And that Husky offense might be the best in the nation but they gained 93% of available yards against Tulsa last week. Washington had six touchdowns, one missed field goal, and two turnovers in that game. So they never punted. Six touchdowns, two turnovers, one missed field goal. Washington tore them up defensively. Offensively for Tulsa, their quarterback situation is a mess. Their week one starter, Braylon Braxton, he threw two picks in week one. He got hurt. Then Cardell Williams came in in that opening game. He started against Washington. 
he came out of the game after hitting his hand on a Washington player's helmet and they played their third quarterback, Roman Fuller. Their whole quarterback situation is a mess right now. It's unclear who is going to be playing, who is going to be starting in this game. And then when you go to the Oklahoma side, I do like the fact that they're still trying to get their backup quarterback, Jackson Arnold, who everybody who sees a loves. I like that they're still trying to get him reps. I don't think there will be any let up in this game because they're play- they will continue to play Jackson Arnold. If they take Dylan Gabriel out of the game and they go up big, it's going to be a, Super pro Oklahoma crowd. There will be Sooners fans everywhere at that stadium. So it's a big number, but this is as much a bet against Tulsa as it is a bet on Oklahoma. Give me the Sooners minus 27 and a half. The other game at that time slot that I am not betting, but I do want to watch is South Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina. We all saw it in week one. Their offensive line got tore up by the by the North Carolina Tar Heels. They didn't look great last week either. They really struggled to run the ball against an FCS opponent. It's not a good sign for South Carolina. I got to bring up the the exact number for you guys here because it's it's a number you got to hear. It's low and I don't want to get it wrong. 2.8 yards per carry on the ground for South Carolina against Furman. That Furman defense had seven tackles for a loss. Not looking good for South Carolina. And the last thing you want to have against Georgia is a leaky offensive line. South Carolina staring down the barrel of a one and two start here with next week, uh, week four, a game against Mississippi State. Week after that, they go to Tennessee. Then they have Florida at Missouri at Texas A&M. Things could get ugly here for South Carolina. I want to see how Georgia does in this game. Their first game against a team with even remotely comparable talent. I expect Georgia to absolutely, absolutely roll in this game. If there was a bet I was going to lean towards, it would be Georgia minus 14 and a half in the first half. But I think I'm just going to stay away from that one. Let's move on to the night slate here. 7 p.m. Tennessee goes down to the swamp, a place they haven't won since 2003. I am betting the under in this game. It's 59 at Caesars. That was the best number that I could find. And the reason I'm going the under here is because Florida wants to run the ball. Tennessee, for all that we think about this explosive passing attack, they've really been pretty run heavy this year too. Both of these teams have been up and down in terms of actually finishing drives. UT was really good at finishing drives against UVA, but then they struggle against Austin P in the red zone last week. Both are good running teams, like I mentioned. But both have actually had pretty decent defensive numbers so far this year, too. I think that game against Utah, where we saw Graham Mertz throw it 40-plus times, was kind of an anomaly. That's not what Billy Napier wants to do. That's never been what Billy Napier wants to do. I think they try to keep it on the ground. I think they try to shorten the game. And I think Joe Milton... Going into the swamp, this is a a Tennessee team that it's not the same Tennessee team as last season. And there's something to be said for going on the road in an, in the sec on a Saturday night and things just tightening up a little bit. So I don't know that you're going to find analytics to necessarily support this play. I've seen some folks out there saying they like the over based on some of the tempo stuff. Maybe this one's more just vibes, but my vibe is that you're going to go down to Gainesville on a Saturday night and yeah, they've gotten off to a rough start. Yeah. Some of the message boards are lighting up already ready to move on from Billy Napier, but it's still Florida. That place is still going to be live on a Saturday night. They're still going to be singing Tom Petty in the stands. And I think this is going to be a tight one. I think Florida's going to keep the ball on the ground. I think that 
Tennessee is going to continue to struggle to finish drives a little bit. Finishing drives when you get in the red zone, it's all about if you're throwing the ball, it's about timing. These windows are getting tighter. This is the best competition Tennessee has faced this season. And Joe Milton is known for that big arm. He's not exactly known for the timing and the finesse and the touch and the fitting it in the windows, right? I think both these defenses are pretty good too. Like I said, both top 10% nationally in defensive success rate. So give me the under, give me under 59 and a half. I think it's going to be a close one in Gainesville. I'm excited to watch this one. My last bet against the spread here is going to be TCU at Houston. It's one I gave out on Sunday and it's the over 60 and a half. That's what I got it at on Sunday. I think now it is up to, let's see, all the way up to 64 and a half now. I don't think I play it at that number. I don't, I was, I, w- I would have played it up to 62, 64 and a half. That thing is shot up again. Good reminder of why it's so important to look, look early in the week because you can get some pretty good closing line value there. So 60 and a half, I'd play it up to 62 because I just think these two teams, they're bad defensively. That's what it comes down to. These are bad teams defensively. Both are in the bottom 40 in defensive success rate and limiting explosiveness. And both are in the top 15 nationally in plays per game. That Houston offense doesn't look great this year, but they still run a lot of plays and their defense is not very good. So give me the over here, 60 and a half. If this comes back down a little bit, if you can get it at 62, grab it. Or if these two teams maybe go the first two possessions of the game without scoring and it comes down, maybe you get like a, let's see, maybe you get like a 59, possibly a 55 even. I jump on that live for sure. I'm going to be looking for some live opportunities here to go over on that game if they get off to a slow start. And then I'll finish things off with my Moneyline Parlay of the Week. Just a two-teamer this week, but some juicy odds. Almost 11-1. to I'm going with an all-Florida Moneyline Parlay. Give me FIU to beat UConn. I mentioned it. UConn's starting quarterback is out in SP+. Bill Connolly actually has FIU as the higher ranked team. And that doesn't even take into account that quarterback injury. So give me FIU to win that game. And then give me Florida to upset Tennessee for all the reasons I mentioned. I like Florida to shorten the game. I like, I think Tennessee will be a little tight going into the swamp on a Saturday night. I have questions about them scoring in the red zone. And I think it's a recipe for an upset here. So give me the Gators. That comes out to plus 1094 on FanDuel if you do an FIU Florida money line parlay. That's what I'm watching this week. That's what I'm betting this week. That's our show for the week. Remember, follow me on Twitter or X at Gorgon Sports, TikTok, Instagram, the same handle. I will talk to you on Sunday after these games. We'll break it all down. Enjoy the games this week, everybody. And until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.